Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. J. Edgar Hoover. They call him Bobby. With William Hootkins as J. Edgar Hoover and John Sharian as Robert F. Kennedy. The two people I hate in this world, I think they are Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Director Hoover, why don't you step right in? Thank you, Mr. Attorney General. I guess you're no stranger to this office. No, sir, I've been here a few times over the past... Nearly uh, 40 years, hmm? Yes, sir, nearly 40 years. Well, you've seen Attorney Generals come and you've seen them go, (laughs) right? Right. So why don't you take the weight off your feet, Edgar? Go on, sit down. I intend to, and I just hate looking up at a man. Don't you? I have no objection to looking up to a man, Mr. Attorney General. Please, call me Bobby. Or Bob, if you prefer. And sit down, you're making me nervous. I like to relax. Put my feet up on the table. It's a Justice Department table, Bob. I know. It's a Justice Department table, Edgar. I was only concerned that your heels might damage the shine. Oh, we have lots of people to polish these things. Don't you worry. Uh, Coffee? No, thank you. Uh, Coffee, please, Edie. Uh, For one. Tea, Edgar? No, thank you. A drink. Uh, Jack Daniels, is it? No, thank you, Bob. I don't drink before six. Mm, Very wise. Is that a uh, lifelong habit? I thought we should meet to sort out a few matters, set a few protocols. I have been through a number of... I think I can say that we at the Bureau have always managed the transition with smoothness. I'm sure you have, Edgar, but... uh, Well, it's quite a jump from Eisenhower to Kennedy. A new generation taking up the torch of the old. I have written to the President assuring him of my support, of the Bureau's support over the coming months and years. He was gratified to get your letter. And I was gratified by his prompt confirmation of my continuing directorship. You're 60. Uh, Six, am I right? And you are 43, Bob. Yes. You must be very proud to have attained the... High office of attorney general at such a young age. Oh, I think it's time youth took its place at the wheel. Don't you, Edgar? As long as it doesn't overlook the value of experience. The value of experience. Tell me. Yes? Do you wear lifts on your shoes? I do not. I wondered, that's all. Uh, Your biography has you at 6-1, is it? I don't write those things, Bob. Like your table, I have people to do it for me. And we at Justice have people to do it for us, namely you, Edgar. And I am looking forward to working with you in the closest cooperation. As I wrote the President... We feel, both Jack and I, that it would be proper for you and the Bureau to work to this office rather than to the Oval Office. I realize that over the years you've worked closely with Presidents Roosevelt and uh, Eisenhower, 
Though I guess your relations with Mr. Truman were less than smooth. I am a public servant. I have never forced myself upon the president of the day. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Though there have been occasions when he has found that we in the Bureau have been able to offer particular help in... The old ways are changing, Edgar. It's a new world now. With respect, Mr. Attorney General, the only things the old ways change is their appearance. Otherwise, they stay the same. I don't agree. Perhaps time will tell. Well, perhaps it will, though time is the enemy for you, if not for me, Edgar. Uh, you have four years left until retirement. I hmm? had not thought You'll of be retirement. 70. Time to take a well-deserved rest. A glorious retirement with the Bureau in younger hands. Are you grooming a successor? There is still work to do. Yes, there is. Oh, good, Edie. Bring it in. That smells good. You should have had a cup, Edgar. Well, no doubt you're a busy man, so maybe I should just lay out what I feel to be the main. The two strands that I see as being the most important in the coming days. Areas in which we need to make some progress if we're thinking forward, as, uh, as we must be. The president will be thinking forward to the second term. Areas of public concern that will show the electorate that we are doing what Jack, what, uh, what the president promised during the election. And these in the public. First, the matter of civil rights. The South. Civil, civil rights, that whole movement which the president, this whole administration has pledged. Pledged itself and we will honor that pledge. Secondly, organized crime. We must be seen to be doing something about this. This will be something we can be seen as an administration that we are fighting. Uh, very much in the spirit, if you recall, Edgar, of your work, your, your war against crime under Franklin Roosevelt. War against crime and poverty. Uh, we are declaring war upon ignorance and prejudice against organized crime. And we will expect the FBI to be part of this. To be in the forefront of the battle. As you are aware, Bob, the Bureau has never accepted this, uh, this idea of a grand criminal conspiracy. It is not. Our experiences have led us to believe that national criminal figures spring from local conditions where local law and order agencies have failed in their job. The FBI can go in at that local level Edgar, and help please. At Appalachian Village, more than 60 mafia dons met together to plan a national crime strategy. Can uh, you we, deny that? We are an investigative agency, not a crime prevention one. Besides, these people... Are, these people are dangerous. They are real. These people are hoodlums. They have ideas above their station. Above their station. I agree. And that's why I've instructed the Narcotics Bureau to push forward their investigations. And why I'm setting up a racketeering section over here at Justice. And I would very much like the Federal Bureau of Investigation to be part of this combined effort. We are always open to new ideas at the Bureau. Good. Now I have to see the President, so uh, I think we can stop for today. Uh, we'll talk, hmm? Of course, I'm always available. I've instructed the engineers to install a direct phone link between this office and your office. Well, I'm sure Miss Gandhi will be... Not your secretary's office, Edgar. Your office. I'd like you to keep that phone on your desk so I can reach you whenever I need you. I, uh... I'll try not to, uh, ring after lunch. I know you like to take a nap about then. Thank you for your time, Edgar.
Inspector Hoover? I know who it is, Edgar. I put the line in. I'm the only one who uses it, remember? Yes, Mr. Attorney General. Though I believe your children on occasion play games with it. What can I do for you? Uh, Bob, please. We are on the same side, aren't we? Of course we are, Bob. I would be interested to hear how your people are handling the mob issue. We have a number of agents working in that area. But are you producing anything of use, Edgar? Well, as you know, Bob, I still have doubts about the extent of what you call organized crime. Your doubts, Edgar, are being called a willful and stubborn refusal to see what is right in front of your eyes. My priorities have always been a Edgar, matter of Edgar, I'm not asking. They are. People in the Congress. Your people. Your long-term supporters. They hear about Joseph Alachi. Alachi. A soldier in the Mafia. He's going to testify, and he's going to say, Yes, Virginia, there is a Cosa Nostra. I really think you should come over to justice, Edgar, and explain just what it is the FBI has and has not been doing. As you know, Congress passed anti-racket laws, and they, as well as myself, will be interested in your response. I am always happy to explain what the FBI is doing. Somebody once told me that's the only thing you really care about. I told you that, Bob, ten years ago. Then isn't it a pity that you're so protective of its honor? The FBI isn't a 16-year-old virgin anymore, Edgar, if it ever was. Doesn't need a chaperone. Can go out and have fun. Relax. Share a few things for once. It's old enough to get touched. It isn't living at home with Mom. Next week, then. Thursday. One o'clock. I usually eat lunch at that time. With your companion, Mr. Tolson? With Deputy Director Tolson. We have a table booked. Unbook it. Gandhi, will you fetch me the personal and confidential files on the following? Kennedy, Robert, Kennedy. From the desk of the Attorney General to the President. March 22, 1962. Um, Jack, uh, scratch that. Sir, further to our conversations regarding Director Hoover, I concur that his... Uh, the Bureau's performance on a number of, uh, of issues is not, uh, issues of organized crime is not satisfactory, and that Director Hoover should, should accept retirement. Operative now, with honor, honorable retirement, confidential, eyes only. Please, Edie, get that off as soon as possible. Okay, can you, uh, ask Director Hoover to come through now, please? Uh, what do you think of the, uh, dartboard? I used to play me and Jack back home. Uh, thought I'd get them to put one in. Would you, uh, bring me the darts back, Edgar? Thank you. Thank you. Sit down. I'll, uh, I'll be with you. In just a moment. <clears throat> Bit out of practice. Want to get my game up. Oh, damn. We look at that. Right off the board. 
Never did that before. I guess you are thinking that's, uh, that's government paneling, right, Edgar? Hmm? Nasty little hole there. Looks like woodworm's been at it, gnawing away. A nice box, huh? Some of the boys at the Rackets Commission gave it to me. I guess I must have told them about, uh, playing darts. Well, Edgar, what have you got for me today? I have been following up and collating... Oh, various... uh, sorry about your lunch, by the way. That's no problem. But... I mean, it's not as if you're actually losing any money. Am I right? Uh, they keep a table for you at Harvey's and uh, pick up the tab. Would that be correct? Well, never mind As that. far as I am Edgar, aware... It really doesn't matter. You run your bureau as you wish. I know the president has the utmost confidence in you and in the FBI. One of its virtues... Is it unchanging nature? I think you'll find, Bob, that we are at the forefront of scientific crime detection. I mm, wouldn't deny it, not for a moment. Uh, no, no, it was, uh, only someone was telling me you still, uh, you still vet the, the potential wives of your agents? Check out their marriage plans? Can that be true? We take an interest in our personnel. That they can't go to nightclubs without their wives? I have always felt that a position of public morality can only be upheld from a base of private morality. This country was built on certain Christian rules. These rules were good enough for our fathers. They should be good enough for us. You don't believe that what a man does in his own backyard is his own business and his alone? I believe that what he does in his backyard will inevitably affect what he does in the front porch. I wonder if any of us could live up to that kind of scrutiny, Edgar. Of course we cannot. That's why we have religion to help us. I was disappointed to see that Congress has passed your legislation banning compulsory school prayers in the morning. You think mouthing prayers makes a difference to people's behavior? I think it might remind them that God is there and watching perpetually. Like the FBI? We do our job, Mr. Attorney General. Well, let's see about that, shall we? Do you want to uh, take your jacket off? This place gets hot, I know. No, thank you, Bob. I am quite comfortable. Well, I guess I will. We'll go ahead, Edgar. I would like to start today with the greatest menace this country faces. Please. The Communist Party of America. Edgar, Edgar. The Trojan snake of communism the has Trojan discarded snake. its disguise for brutality and slaughter. Communism, shed of all its false smiles, is on its bloody march again. We are at war with the communists. And the sooner each red-blooded American realizes this, the better and the safer we will be. Edgar, Edgar, the CPUS is finished. For God's sake, two-thirds of its membership are FBI agents. If it wasn't for you, there would be no party. The, the communists are not a threat. Is that why the president took this nation to the brink of war last year in the Cuba crisis? Communist Russia, Edgar. Really? And I would like you to move on Perhaps to more relevant... Perhaps you should look around you at the youth of this country, at the so-called entertainments they choose to enjoy. There is more than one way to attack a nation. <sighs> more backyard stuff. Edgar, times are changing. Elvis Presley is not a symptom of national decay. Now, please, go on with your report, and if you will, just skip over the communist stuff. Coffee? Yes, please. Uh, coffee for two, Edie. Very well. The mafia. Organized crime in this country. Because an Nostra. Ah, thank I noticed, by the way, your use of the words in your recent article for Reader's Digest. 
I suppose you've been interested, like the rest of us, in the material coming out of the Valachi testimony. All that stuff about, uh, Cosa Nostra. I can't really ignore it anymore. Oh, and uh, I was sorry to have my man Guthrie kill the article. I felt that it was a little, uh, premature. We don't want to overplay our hand, do we? After all, the main thing, surely, is to do something about these people. John Roselli, you know the name? Has come up frequently in reports from the Rackets Investigation Narcotics Bureau. So far, I have not heard it from your lips, Edgar. Sam Giancana, also known as Momo, Chicago criminal. Here, if you care to look briefly through these transcripts, I have copied them to your department. They're available in full. Oh, thank you, Edgar. Well, this is uh, union funds, yeah. That son of a bitch, Hoffa, he was always tight with these boys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, now, th now, this is interesting. The, uh, the laundering, uh, the, the, the laundering of uh, money in Las Vegas. Well, we have that from our own sources, but it's good to have uh, confirmation. Where, uh... Uh, these are collated from a number. Well, there, look, on page 15, if I can, uh, may, I, may I? Yes. Uh, right there, this is from an encounter at O'Hare Airport just recently. One of our people, SAC Roma, and Giancana, is coming through with his mistress, McGuire. All right. He's very angry. F. J. Edgar Hoover. F. Your super boss. Did he really say F? It <laughs> doesn't sound like a mobster to me. I took the liberty of amending parts of the transcript. Bob, you never know who might see it, Secretary. Sometimes, Edgar. I wonder which century you're living in. Never mind. F. Your super super boss. You know who I mean. Well, that's very good, Edgar. But why does Mr. Momon Giancana walk right through the airport? What are you doing about him and his kind? I have to go to the committee and say my old friend, J. Edgar Hoover, is requesting higher appropriation for the FBI this year. And they will say, what is he doing down there on the avenue? Why are men like Mr. Giancana and Mr. Roselli and how many more, Mr. Mayolansky and Mr. Costello, and do we need to go on? Why are they still enjoying the fruits of organized crime? And they will say, Hoover never shares anything with anyone. He keeps his card so close to his chest that he might as well not be in the game at all. I have never been much of a card player, Bob. But it seems to me that a man who is too loose with his cards risks being taken for a ride. If you'll look at the first file, please. Judith Campbell. 25-year-old bit part actress, an attractive young lady. Yeah, pretty girl, so? An acquaintance of Mr. Frank Sinatra, the entertainer, in 1960, during the presidential campaign, Mr. Sinatra introduced Miss Campbell to the candidate. Edgar, please, we both of us know that uh, the president is a man of natural appetites. Oh, indeed we do. In 1943, the Bureau tape recorded that then Naval Intelligence Officer John Kennedy engaged in pillow talk with his mistress Inga Arvad, a friend of Hermann Goering and Adolf Hitler. She'd met them, no more. She was cleared of any suspicion of spying. And your brother was posted to the Pacific Theater, where he performed with bravery and distinction, yes. So his mistress had an unlucky choice of friends. And he also had... As do you, a very powerful and respected father. Who also happens to be a good friend of yours. Go on. What about it? If you turn to the end of the file, Bob, yes, there, you'll see a surveillance picture of Miss Campbell with Mr. Giancana in Chicago. 
What? She's his mistress, and she was, for a time, the mistress of John Roselli. Jesus H. Who? During the election campaign, she delivered packets from the then-Senator Kennedy to Jan Canna. We do not know what they contained. Go on. If you look here and uh, here, the transcripts of early 1962, you'll see that Jan Canna assumes that he and his associates will not be touched to any serious degree because they have, and I quote, an understanding with the Kennedys. As one reason, Momo was so very angry at O'Hare. Is this still... Yes, it is. Jesus. Jesus. Edie, get me a few moments with the president this afternoon. I don't care if he's busy or anything else. Tell him... Tell him Jade Hoover has something he must know. At once. Thanks. You didn't... These uh... are all personal and confidential files, Bob. They stay in my office. No one else has access, unless I say... The president is sharing a mistress with a mobster. Yes. Oh, damn, damn, Jack. Oh. It was always uh, a weakness of the president. You don't approve, do Mr. you? Mr. Attorney General, above everything, I believe in America and its mission to the world. The commander of that mission is the president. You don't like him, do you? My feelings have no relevance here. They have relevance for me, damn it. For once, say what you mean. The president won election by a few thousand votes nationwide. Areas which could be said to have tipped the balance his way are Texas, where Vice President Johnson has a particularly efficient electoral machine, and Chicago, where Boss Daly and Sam Giancana control the precincts. I am not saying anything illegal. Then what are you saying, God I am saying the president has my complete support and confidence. Well, thank you, Edgar. I know that Jack will, when I talk with him this afternoon, appreciate your care and concern for his well-being. If there's one thing you can be sure of, Bob, it is the discretion of the FBI. Nobody, but nobody walks into our files. You say we don't share. That's very true. When you share, you leak. It's no secret that I have little respect for the CIA. No. And it's no secret that those people were happy to use and are at this moment using Mr. Giancana and Mr. Roselli and others to further their policy in Cuba. What happens if you ever put these men in the dock? What happens to respect? for the institutions of the federal government if these things are generally known. Matters of state. You may laugh at the Bureau for being old-fashioned. You you may laugh at us for checking our agents' wives or insisting our men wear hats, but we do not employ gangsters. We are not corrupt, and our secrets remain secrets. Now, if you will excuse me... Of course, Edgar. Thank you for your help in this matter. I'm afraid I won't be able to stay for coffee. Of course not. Oh, and uh, once this is settled, Edgar... We must get together to work out a strategy of support for the president's civil rights program. Do you mean the Negro question? I mean the rights of every American to equal citizenship, without fear. Without fear. I look forward to our talk, Bobby. Put the coffee down there, Edie. 
And tell Jack I'll be there just as soon as I can. Memo, personal and confidential. Director to William C. Sullivan, Domestic Intelligence Division. In your report, you state... There has been an obvious failure of the Communist Party of the United States to appreciably infiltrate or control large numbers of American Negroes in this country, though time alone will tell whether the party's future efforts will be any more successful. I simply cannot accept the conclusions you have come to in this matter. Please re-examine and resubmit your report. I saw as I came in the uh, display. Oh, the Dillinger death mask. Uh, they say he was prodigiously endowed. Uh, that he was hung like a horse. It is a legend. They build it up. Oh, who should know better than the nation's top G-man? It was the Dillinger case that made your name. The Bureau... There's J. Edgar Hoover. You built it up through your own personal legend. Then, during the war, you consolidated your power. You became, in effect... President Roosevelt's personal policeman. Your domestic intelligence division cornered the market, Edgar. You were the this only store in town and everyone analysis, had to come Bobby. to you. It's a pity you never practiced as a Whoever lawyer. However, with, I think... And through the power structure, through the federal government, or through local agencies and local forces. Basically, like a well-brought-up young lady, you waited to be asked. I've always felt this to be the correct well, position. Well, it won't do over the Mason-Dixon line, Edgar. Because down in Mississippi, the local agencies are exactly the good old boys who are enforcing segregation. And if we're going to make a difference, why, we got to get down and dirty. Am I right, Edgar? Some of your agents over there on the avenue have taken to mimicking me. Is that so? I've heard nothing. If I do, the man will be dismissed. And how many Negro agents do you employ, Edgar? I'm not asking about your personal driver or your valet or whoever mows the grass in your yard. How many SACs are black? What do you want me to do? Lower our qualifications and hire more Negroes, Bobby? Well, that's not going to happen as long as I am director of this agency. It's the wrong gun, isn't it? I beg your pardon? In the glass case out there. Uh, it's an automatic. Agent Purvis's gun was a revolver. Agent Purvis didn't shoot Dillinger. Oh, who did? Clyde Tolson? Does it really matter, Bob, the after all these years? always matters. There are no Negroes with the right qualifications in all the country? I will undertake to double the number of Negro agents in the Bureau by the end of the year. And that would bring it up to, uh, Edgar, help me here? Ten. Ten, then. And what is your personal feeling about the struggle, Edgar? Freedom from fear. About the struggle of the American Negro for full civil rights. Your opinion, Edgar. Generally, I believe the colored people are not well-educated, quite ignorant. I don't think they would seek education were it offered. They seldom register to vote. They want to eat the cake without knowing how to bake another. Yes, yes, they should in time, in due time, proceed to gain the acceptance which is necessary and rights equal to those of the white citizens of their community. That is... You don't... You don't see the civil rights struggle as a moral issue, Edgar? A moral imperative? Crime arises from an atmosphere of moral depravity, Bob. When the lead given to the people is not decent, then vice will flourish and crime will flourish. And does that make you the moral arbiter of the nation? It means that the FBI will pursue criminals, whether they be Negro or white. 
It will not be used as a weapon in any one person's moral crusade. We must break the power of the Ku Klux Klan and the lines of racism that radiate from them. I can, the, the president can, and has sent the National Guard, U.S. Marshals, even the Army. They are visible presences. The CIA cannot, as you very well know, having ensured the fact, operate within the borders of the United States. That leaves one agency only with an internal intelligence department with uh, undercover agents who are trained in well the hell I don't have where to where the clan or members of the clan have committed crimes we shall pursue damn it Edgar I want your people on the, the ground there I want your people under the ground this is one struggle we are going to win Martin Luther King has Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King he's an inspired leader of his people a great American we can work with him can talk with the man. Oh? And what does he have to say? Well, specifically, Edgar, if you'll excuse me. Uh, one of the great problems we face in the South is that the FBI agents are white Southerners who've been influenced by the mores of the community. They seem little more than vaguely interested observers of injustice, who diffidently write down complaints and do no more. From Dr. King's I know that letter, and it's a damned lie. I have personally transferred northern agents to the South. Not only did I do so, I informed Mr. King of that fact and invited him to discuss the matter. He did not respond. Maybe he had other things on his mind, Edgar. Oh, I am sure he did. Are you familiar with the name Stanley Levinson? I don't think so. He is a New York attorney one of King's closest and most trusted advisors. He is also one of the closest and most trusted advisors of the Communist Party of the U.S. That, the Red Menace again? Yes, the same Red Menace, the one your CIA employs gangsters to assassinate in Cuba, the one we nearly went to war with, the one we are at war with in Vietnam, the one President Truman didn't believe all existed. All right, Edgar, we all know how you screwed Harry the up. The one that you brother. say doesn't exist. And no, we are not stupid enough to dismiss something which may well come back and embarrass us in four years' time. It is the contention of FBI analysts that Levinson is a steeper agent and that his mission is to infiltrate the civil rights movement and infect it with communism. I will talk uh, with Reverend King and ask him to clarify this matter. And drop Levinson and any other communists in his organization? I can only advise. I will do so. Now what will you do about the Klan and the other racist elements? As you may or may not know, Bob, the FBI has long been involved in the fight against the Klan. No, I must say, Edgar, that surprises me, given your... September 1922, the governor of Louisiana informed us that the Klan was intercepting his mail and had penetrated the judiciary. President Harding authorized a bureau investigation under the constitutional provision to suppress domestic violence. We found the Klan implicated in a series of racial killings. However, since they controlled the juries... We were not able to bring in an indictment. So nothing changes. Oh, you're right, Bob. We've got our men that time. We will get them now. How exactly? Crime, as I think I told you, rises from moral deviancy. We investigated the background of the Imperial Klegel, Edward Clark. He was an adulterer. We 
released information to this effect and later arraigned him on a violation of the Mann Act. This destroyed the moral authority of the clans, and for a time at least, justice was able to do its work. It seems odd to hear you talk of moral authority in terms of the clan. Oh, Bob, make no mistake. These people are a group of sadistic, vicious, white trash. You can almost smell them where they live. But you must also be aware, Bob, that they or anyone can use moral authority for their own ends. That is why true moral authority rests in God and then in the federal government. If the FBI takes the fight to the Klan, it is not because they target Negroes, it is because they flout the authority of the federal government and endanger the security of our nation. However it goes, Edgar, I want your men in there. I want the Klan stopped. Hmm. Will you give us the powers to do the job, to infiltrate and discredit, disgrace the Klan in front of their own people? You will have the full support of the Attorney General's office, Edgar. Let me make that plain. You will have those powers. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate your confidence. And be assured the Bureau will not let you down. May I walk you to the door? Mm, thank you, Edgar. Miss Gandy, will you see the Attorney General to the elevator? Sullivan Domestic Intelligence Division. Bill, you say, after King's I Have a Dream speech of last week, he stands head and shoulders above all other Negro leaders, and as such, we must mark him now as the most dangerous Negro in this nation from the point of view of communism and national security. I can't understand how you can so agilely switch your thinking in this way. I am, however, glad that at last you do admit there is such an influence and such a danger. We must now turn our attention to the South. I have instituted this day a new COINTELPRO, White Hate Group's program. I think I will have a coffee, if I may, Bob. Of course. Uh, two coffees, Edie. Anything to eat, Edgar? No, thank you. I have to watch my weight, Bob. You don't get out a lot nowadays. Mm. Uh, apart from vacations, I hear you take a couple a year with friends. Do you declare them to the IRS? Is that a professional inquiry? Well, I'm not thinking of changing my job, are you? What would I do? I've spent my whole working life with the Bureau in one way or another. Eh, quite an achievement, Edgar. In a very real sense, you are the Bureau. <laughs> it sometimes feels like that. Mm, except, of course, it isn't true. There were Bureau bosses before your time, and there will be after. But perhaps no one quite like J. Edgar Hoover. Are you dissatisfied with the performance of the Bureau in Mississippi? We are infiltrating the Klan with agents at the rate of 10% of their membership per year. By the end of next year, we expect to have over 2,000 agents in place. Already, we are privy to most of their secret meetings. I've read the reports. I have instituted a new COINTELPRO, White Hate Group's program. We are disrupting and exposing the nature of the Klan. They're using the news media. And other routes, but primarily, yes, we are exposing these people to the light of day and decency. And could you be said to be doing the same thing with Reverend King? 
Perhaps you'd better explain, Bob. Oh, surely, I do not need to. The greatest Negro leader of our time, of, uh, of, of any time, a man who, like Moses, will lead his whole people to freedom, and your uh, man Sullivan calls him, you know, I have the memo, um, a quote, a fraud, demagogue, and a moral scoundrel. I seem to recall that Moses managed to keep his pants buttoned. There's nowhere in the Bible, so far as I'm aware, where Moses says, I'm away from home so much that f fornication is a form of relaxation. For God's sakes, a man's private life is his own goddamn For business. For God's sake, Bob, this man is a minister of religion. No, it's not the same oh, thing. Oh, not the same for them? I don't mean that. Not the same for the president? Simply that a man's morals are not your business. Legally, not your business, insofar as you have planted bugs in his hotel rooms, which involves breaking and entering. I agree, Bobby. A very difficult area of the law, which is why I was concerned to get your full backing. Well, this office has never used a countenance material gathered in a manner which might be considered illegal. On the contrary, Bob, you read, initialed, and acted upon tape conversations involving Mr. Giancana, Mr. Roselli, and others which were gathered in just such a way. You have, in so doing, sanctioned by practice the use of bugs. The Bureau was merely following up investigations into King's communist leaders. There are no communist leanings. I spoke to the man. Jack spoke to him, and he agreed to drop Levinson. But he did not. And you and the president were forced to concede. Yes, all right. It was some kind of quid pro quo, yes? You get to investigate the commies as long as you do something about the Klan. You were not. It was never the idea. You were not supposed to smear the man. What kind of policing is that? Exactly what you asked the Bureau to do with the Klan and other racists. The law is the law, Bob. It cannot hold a predilection for one against another. Then it becomes merely an instrument of tyranny, like the KGB. Like the KGB. I do not believe that King is a fit man to lead the American Negroes in their struggle for freedom. Because he dared to criticize the Bureau? Because he isn't some goddamn stuffy middle-class confirmed bachelor? who hasn't moved out of Washington for 68 years because he isn't white and doesn't answer the boy. Oh, thank you, Edie. Uh, just put it down there. I'll pour it. He has no sexual self-discipline, which to me implies weakness of character. Don't you ever let go, Hoover. I do my job. Coffee? I think I'll change my mind about that and pass, if I may. You do your job, but for how long? As long as the president needs me. This is the same man you just accused of having no sexual self-discipline? I did not mention the president. I was talking about... I know about what you were talking about. Your time is very nearly up. I have a good pension. I can walk away any time I want. No. It's the one thing, the only thing you care about. Your FBI. If you were to lose it, it would kill you. Well, thank you for coming over today. We'll talk with the president on these matters, and I dare say he'll want to talk with you. Thank you, Edgar. Mr. Attorney General, I have news for you. The president's been shot. 
What? The president has been shot in Dallas. Is it, uh, <clears throat> is it serious? I think it is serious. I will call you back when I find out more. Good of you to drop by, Bob. I tried to call, Edgar. There appears... I'm having the direct line put back through to Miss Gandy's desk where it belongs. I am still the Attorney General, Edgar. Of course. President Johnson expressed great confidence in your continuing in that role for the period of readjustment. It has been a shock to us all. You seem to have recovered. The work goes on. The president... You two used to be neighbors, I believe. We were. Uh, back when Lyndon first came to the Senate, he moved to 30th place, just along from my house. You know, he used to have a dog. Little Beagle Johnson. Just about every Sunday it would go missing, and he would come over and say, Edgar, little Beagle Johnson's gone again. Let's go find him. And we'd wander around the whole neighborhood, looking all over till we found that little dog. He's right behind it all, you know. Everything that Jack wanted in civil rights, he's going to push it through. Only keeping you on because he'd rather have you inside the tent pissing out than outside pissing Bob, in. Bob, don't you see? Yes, he can push it through. Nothing on earth can stop him now because of this, what happened in Dallas. I learned a long time ago, never enter any fight unprepared in any way, and always fight alone unless you can be 1,000% sure of your allies. Johnson has the hill behind him. Jack never had that. Was that all it was about in your mind? The question of power and survival? Or what about Martin Luther King? Your people are still attacking him, trying to drag him down, to destroy him with innuendo and gossip, and... Your man Sullivan's letter to King. There is but one way out for you, and you better take it before your filthy, fraudulent self is bad to the nation. It seems to me you should open a hate crimes investigation against your own bureau personnel. I believe these Negroes, these radicals, are being influenced overtly or covertly by international communism and that they are the greatest threat we face today. To what? The American way of life? They are the American way of life, Edgar. And you can't stop that. Your time is past. You should go. It isn't me who will be going, Bob. It's you. Do you think that makes you the winner? I am still here, serving my president and my country. You despised my brother. And you despised Dr. King. But you can't even begin to see their moral greatness, their vision. And because of that... You will lose. The moral greatness and vision of men who can't exist without rutting with anything female four or five times a week. Was there anything else? Not for the moment, no. Miss Gandy, will you show the Attorney General out? Thank you for dropping by, Bobby. In J. Edgar Hoover, they call him Bobby, by Mike Walker, J. Edgar Hoover was played by William Hootkins, and Robert F. Kennedy by John Sharian. The director was Ned Shia. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow. 
for yet another amazing story.